Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Podcast. I am Trevor Sikama. With me is Benjamin Solak. A little delayed to start this week, and I know we picked some awful timing to be delayed because we are starting summer scouting today. But uh, as you guys know, Ben is out west helping the youths, and in doing so, gave so much of who he was to his cause that he uh, lost his voice a little bit. And if you follow Ben on Twitter, (laughs) he posted a video of what his voice was like yesterday, and all I can say is that it it wasn't exactly podcast-ready. I love you, buddy, but it wasn't. Today, I think your voice is a little better, even from what I've heard already. Yeah, it's it's a lot better. Uh, Shout-out to everybody with Russian grandmas who are listening to the show because I'm going to eat whole lemons, which is a Russian grandma solution to, like, 85% of the world's ailments. Wait, like like with the skin? No, oh, okay. just like you slice you said, you, it up. You said a whole lemon, so I wondered if you were biting into that bad boy like an apple. And we were about to get real fan Friday. Nah. <laughs> about to get fan Friday. Uh, you slice it up, and then you you take your slice, you fold it in half, and you bite into the slice, and you just you just deal with it. Um, but it helps. Uh, yeah, I I'm, I texted Trev on like Sunday night, and I was like, hey, just an FYI, like I might lose my voice a little bit. I think I'll be good. Like I just may not be at a hundred percent. And then I woke up Monday morning and could not make sounds. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I have misrepresented myself. Um, so shout out Trev, who I was just like, hey, uh, you've been very accommodating of my schedule. <laughs> what if I ruined it even more? So if you ever are in my situation, which is uh, dog tired, very busy, and also without a voice, the absolute best guy to deal with is uh, Trevor Sigma, who is very accommodating. So we love you, Trev. And thank you, everybody, for... Uh, Waiting just one more day on summer scouting. I know that I know that people are very excited to get our thoughts on on early summer scouting, and, and so better late than never. I think is truly the way that we need to intro this podcast. Uh, shout out to Russian grandmas for the lemon trick. I do have to ask though before we get started: uh, Is everything delicious? Even though you're eating whole apples, is everything still delicious? Whole lemons. Um, thing, yeah, things still taste good, right? Like I'm not like sick, sick. I'm definitely like a little bit like tired just because of, of camp schedule and everything. But it's just my voice is dead, which like. Everybody hears me and is like, stay away. I'm just like, no, <laughs> like, I'm nice. Oh, you mean I'm people don't do that naturally? Uh, okay. Uh, all right. Okay. okay. All Sorry. right. That was, that was mean. That was mean. I am very excited to start this episode, though, because we are starting what is truly one of our favorite times in this podcast, and I mean that year round. The NFL draft gets very exciting. We do a lot of different mock drafts, rankings, the smoke screens, you know, caring about what team needs are throughout the months of January and February and when we get into free agency in March. But here in the summer, that's where we lay the groundwork. This is where we will give our First, real thoughts on these guys. Of course, Ben and I are college football fans, and so with that, we have seen these players before, but we've yet to really put them under the microscope, and it's amazing what happens when you do that, when you finally get to watch some of these underclassmen as draft-eligible guys, and it's just it's a totally different feel. I remember we went into summer scouting last year and had different thoughts on Trevor Lawrence than, than what we thought we were going to have uh, early on. We still obviously loved him, and he goes number one overall, but it was different. You, you can see where guys have to get better in, in areas that they can improve, and I don't think that this class is going to be any different. Today, 
We're talking about Sam Howe from North Carolina. We're talking about Keaton Slovis from USC. And we're talking about Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma. Ben and I watched a lot of film on a lot of these guys over the last couple of weeks, giving you our, in order to give you our initial thoughts and our initial notes. Let's start with Sam Howell because he seems to be a guy that a lot of people are very, very excited about. Stands about six foot one, two hundred and twenty pounds. He is a true junior going into this season. Was a four-star quarterback, uh, number three quarterback in the class, I believe, in twenty eighteen. Uh, started as a true freshman in high school, so this guy's got a ton of experience just being a quarterback. Originally, he committed to Florida State, but due to some coaching changes that were going on at Florida State and UNC keeping Mac Brown and adding Phil Longo as their offensive coordinator, that become became very alluring for Hal. So he made his switch over to the Tar Heels, and I'd say it was a good I say it was a good move for him because he has started since his true freshman year. He was the first ever quarterback in Tar Heels program history to start as a true freshman and man he's really been lighting the college football world on fire he's known as a gunslinger everybody loves the deep pass highlights from him but uh, Ben after that little background what did you think getting to view Howell for the first time as a draft eligible prospect uh yeah I got love for Howell's game he's really he's, he's a good time to watch you respect the way he plays uh tough as nails dude I mean there's, I don't mind getting hit on this blitz if it means I can make this throw. And there's, I'm going to step up directly into a hit because I want to make sure I, I can make this throw, right? Like, he is very inviting of contact, which, like, obviously, like, you know, risk management and, like, you know, injury health and whatever. He's, he's generally been healthy. But, like, you never want to see your quarterback take a lot of hits. He does take a lot of hits. But he's super, super tough in the pocket. Very, very good at throwing from adjusted platforms. Throwing when he knows an impeding hit is coming. Being able to adjust his mechanics a little bit, adjust, adjust his throwing angles a little bit, um, but still be honest and legit relative to how he's delivering the ball such that it's accurate and it's consistent, knowing that he's going to take that strike. So the toughness in the pocket is great. Uh, out of the pocket, the same thing happens. He's definitely sneaky fast, uh, which is like the white QB trope, but actually applies in this case. Like he can scoot. Uh, and so there's a little bit of Joe Burrow-esque when he gets out of the pocket, you're mm-hmm. like, aha, we won. Right. And he's like, well, no. Because uh, he makes some stuff happen, which is really good. And he's comfortable throwing on the move. Uh, and then, obviously, the nature of the offense relies upon the deep ball, relies on the deep vertical shot. And that's a throw that, while a lot of quarterbacks attempt it in college, few deliver it with consistent accuracy and relatively reliable placement i think how falls into that bucket that doesn't that you know you're you're a far cry from being an nfl passer when you have that throw but it is like you know you think about the davis webs of the world who can make that throw and nothing else um it is a good sign that he can make it i wish that you had more in terms of the body of work as a pure thrower that the offense asks of him because it's the phil longo Ole Miss style offense so it's speed out Deep comeback, right. quick curl, slant on an RPO, glance on an RPO, nine ball, and that's it. Uh, and when I go to find some of those anticipation throws through the middle of the field, layered throws between uh, the, the, the short and the deep zones, leading receivers working across his body and just dealing with like cross-field route concepts, something he very rarely gets, he is lacking in that regard, anticipation and accuracy, which because he's not an elite arm talent, really matters because if you had like a Malik Willis style hose or a Spencer Rattler style hose and you were late to that throw 
okay, we can probably get away with it. Mm-hmm. Howell doesn't have that arm, and so it's tougher for him to get away with it. So you watch that Notre Dame game uh, where he was asked to throw in the middle of the field a decent bit and just really struggled with figuring out which throws he should and shouldn't take right. and how he should place those throws. Right. And so that dynamic is critical for him. Because like I said, not an elite arm talent. So if you can't throw all three levels of the field and you can't throw cross-field stuff and maximize yak, you got to be a top-flight arm talent to really hit those deep vertical shots, and he isn't that. So he needs to be able to round out more of his game. I'm not sure how much the offense is going to let him do that, but that's what stands for him right now entering 2021. I think the biggest billing for Sam Howell, because I, you know when you mention he's he's a fun watch, he really is. And, and I think that the confidence is something that you really marvel at the mentality that he approaches uh, being a passer being a gunslinger even and you know you brought up Joe Burrow's name a lot of people naturally compare Sam Howell to Baker Mayfield like you're you're going to hear that comparison a lot just because honestly like they kind of look similar like they have similar body types they have similar like facial features like he's got the beard like 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 uh baker mayfield did he wears the similar some sunglasses like he did and you're gonna see a lot of that with baker mayfield but the name that i kept thinking of is actually joe burrow and and the reason why is it was multi-layered it wasn't just the fact that I was captivated with his confidence like I was with Burrow, but also I thought that the escapability, where it is nice, you're right, he's not a guy who's going to be a big-time rushing threat. He could move around the pocket, but it's not like he's really going to be picking up a lot of rushing yards for you. But the other reason where, or the other area in which I saw a lot of Burrow is in how I compared his arm. Burrow does not have a great arm. You know, it's not like Burrow's got a natural hose to him. That's the way that I viewed Sam Howell. Yet there were continually times at in LSU's tape, especially the national championship year, where Burrow could clearly get the ball deep down the field. He could clearly hit Terrace Marshall and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson deep down the field. He could get it there. But it's not like it's on a frozen rope. And that's what I felt like when I watched uh, Sam Howell. I saw a lot of the same types of ball velocity to him because of course when you talk about arm strength the natural arm strength there's two different ways to grade it you can grade it with distance but I think the more naturally gifted way to grade arm strength is certainly with velocity how you can get that ball to explode off of your wrist and you mentioned Malik Lewis you mentioned Spencer Rattler who we're going to get to later this week as guys who man when they flick that wrist that ball is out I mean think of like Michael Vick when he was with the Falcons I mean when you when that ball left his wrist it was on a rope straight to the guy nailing him in the chest and almost caving him in a little bit that's what it felt like so I don't feel like Howell has that kind of an arm and I, and with that comes natural I think limitations or just a need for you to be better between the ears if you will and I gotta say There are areas where Sam Howell certainly needs to improve. I think that you really did a good job of mentioning the kind of offense he's in, what he is really looking for, because we got to remember that too when we're scouting guys. Phil Longo, the offensive coordinator at UNC, he's trying to win football games, right? Like he's trying to win college football games. Therefore, he's going to do and teach Sam Howell exactly how to operate an offense in which he thinks that he can manipulate college football. Does that sometimes have a natural progression to you becoming a better quarterback and a better passer? Yes, it does. But it's not always a, you are going to get better as a pro the longer you in your certain situation. And so I wonder how much limitation there might be for how to really get better at the area where he needs to, which I believe is, as you mentioned, middle of the field stuff. When I saw Sam Howell play, the thing that really stood out to me is it's like when a pass rusher 
has his go-to move, but then the offensive tackle understands how to block it, and he's got to come up with a counter. And I think that we're simply watching the progression now of that, and that's where we are, is that Sam Howell doesn't know his counter moves yet. Sam Howell, I think, knows where to look pre- and post-snap within the first couple of seconds. He understands that read. He can see, oh, okay, here I might have my slant open over the middle of the field, but if the linebacker drops into the zone where the slant is coming, Sam kind of panics a little bit. He doesn't know exactly where to go. It's not second nature for him. And so that's when you see uh, you know, a little bit of uncertainty, uh, going off script, not being as confident, not being able to have as much accuracy because I don't think he's there yet. He doesn't have his counters. And so I think all in all, I really did like Sam Howell. I, I don't think that his arm is rare. Uh, but I think that there are clearly areas where he can improve, that he has improved a little bit so far from year one to year two. And I'm encouraged to see him keep playing. I don't know how much better he's going to get at that weakness while he's still at UNC, but I did see little areas of, of right. improvement there with processing that do give me some encouragement for him moving forward. Right. So the Baker Mayfield comp I get and I like and I appreciate. I don't think he's 100% Baker. I thought Baker was uniquely accurate. In that class, Baker tested nuts in CQ and also like could put the ball in a spot. And I don't think Howell does that yet. And if we're talking about a player who ideally becomes Baker, with how Baker has currently been discussed and how contract negotiations with Baker have been discussed, is that something we're approaching? Woo. You know, okay, take the first round swing, sure. Uh, top 10. Mm. Yeah, I, right. And 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 it's and it's not even that much, right? Because Howell is like bad. Like I think, all right, if Howell shows like some elite accuracy next year, then sure, I'm there. Let's do it. But just the nature of this offense, which this was a conversation people had about Baker, and then he went number one overall. So right. by no means does this preclude Howell from anything, but just the nature of this offense means that I'm probably going to have questions about his three level accuracy and his ability to make full field reads in a West Coast offense when he comes out. Yeah. And that plus not elite accuracy, which I, I don't think he has that, is going to make it really tough to get fully all the way in on this train for as much as I love the way the guy plays. And I really, really do. Uh, if he can be big on – if he can keep his production despite losing his top four pass-catching targets, yeah, which man. for everybody who follows will remember – we talked about Javante Williams, Michael Carter, Deami Brown, and Daz Newsom last year. Guess what? All now in the league, all right, doggone good right, ball players. Right. Uh, those were his top four targets by volume last year. If he can get similar production despite losing those guys, which they have some good recruits, so he, he if he can work with those guys and maximize, that'll go a big way as well. But I think we're going to see a slight drop off in production, which is going to reveal some of the warts in his accuracy. And to me, he's not Baker yet. He's more somewhere between Baker and Mason Rudolph, which, you know, Ru Rudolph wasn't great when he was asked to start for the, the Steelers in 2019. Mm -hmm. But a player between Rudolph and Baker stays in the league for a long time. It's just a matter of how good of a starter is he when he gets the call. I think Baker or Baker. Yeah, there we go. I just I just did it right off the bat. I think that Sam Howell is a really great case for us to start summer scouting for this quarterback class because even just from what I've heard from other people and viewed over college football over the last couple of years, it seems like Howell really might help encapsulate what this class might be all about. And that is 
when you look at Sam's game, even if he has another great year this year, you'd go, all right, okay, uh, maybe late first, early, early second round pick kind of a guy. That's not how the league works. You know, like that's not how things have gone. We've been quarterback hungry, starving even for years now. And so if you are a fringe top 32 kind of a pick as a quarterback, you're probably not going where you maybe quote unquote should go. You're going a lot higher. So that, that I think that this is the this is the beginning of a conversation that we're going to have a couple of times here. And when I say a couple, I mean eight billion between now and next April. Talking about hey, this is where we realistically view a guy, but we understand the NFL doesn't operate like that. They want quarterbacks, and they're going to draft them high. So Sam Howell, I think there's plenty of things uh, that you like. Any any more notes before we go on to the next guy? Right now, if they both came out, I would have taken Howell above Mac. So that that's where, like, because when you were talking about, oh, is he going to go a lot earlier or whatever, it sounded similar to me, the conversation we'd have about Mac. But I want to make it clear. Howell can do stuff under pressure right now that Mac cannot do, or at least has not shown he can do. And that matters so, 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 so much. Because if Howell is, like, 83% as accurate as, as Mac was, which I think is about fair, that drop-off is worth the drastic increase in what Howell can do outside of structure. And so that's where you start to get your little Baker conversation, yeah, right. that playmaking ability, right? Um, and that matters. So yes, probably overdrafted, but between him and Mac, who was your yes, probably overdrafted guy of this year, I would take Howell pretty comfortably. Yeah, I think that that's fair. I, I think that that's fair, and that's that's a good thing. Pe- people love when we give comparisons to the last class, like, hey, where does this guy fit in with this? And I think that's a great way to say it. I believe that the league would totally draft Sam Howell over over Mac Jones, and I think I'd be there as well. Uh, we got a whole year to go, so there's a lot that could change between uh, now and then. But I, I think that I would I would agree with that. Let's move on to uh, Keaton Slovis. Quarterback for USC. Little tail of the tape numbers here. Junior coming into this season. Stands at about 6'2", 215. Was a three-star recruit. I know a lot of times we talk about these quarterbacks that are these highly touted guys that are coming through finally. That wasn't the case with Keaton Slovis. Three-star recruit. Not a super impressive high school career, honestly. Although I do want to note, his high school quarterback was Kurt Warner. And I think that that's pretty cool. I was reading up about that a little bit. His high school quarterback? Like his, sorry, his high school quarterback coach. Sorry, his high school quarterback coach. Kurt Warner wasn't even the head coach? No, I don't. Well, I, I, to, to be fair, it's a lot of work to be a high school head coach. And so uh, I, I'm pretty sure that Kurt was just like yeah. dropping in in between him doing stuff for NFL Network and whatever. Right. And, you know, like, he, yeah, he, he was just like, yeah, I'll be quarterback coach or whatever. And so uh, he's got a relationship with Keaton and, um, I get. I was reading a couple of articles about it. Keaton was saying that they'll like text back and forth, and Kurt will sometimes watch his tape, and he'll send him little notes and things like that. So uh, always cool to have a Hall of Famer in your back pocket like that. USC, by far his biggest offer coming out of school, uh, and he was coming out of Arizona. When he got to USC, he was the backup for JT Daniels, remember, who is, who's at Georgia now, but was the five-star quarterback, like the next greatest thing going to USC Daniels gets hurt at the beginning of the season two years ago, misses the entire year. Slovis was then named the starter, ended up breaking the USC freshman quarterback record for attempts, completion, and yardage. So he was an all-freshman selection for the conference. 
And that's when everybody really blew up on him. He, he had another year last year, but it was a shortened season in the Pac-12. Ben, what did you think of Keaton Slovis when you watched him now? Uh, I'm out. Um, I have a player without elite physical traits. So size is, is like fine. It's not great. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just acceptable. Arm is fine. It's not great. It's just acceptable. Uh, mobility is is decent, but at the level which we currently talk about pro prospects and, and the degree to which they move around and are expected to move around, uh, it's it's you know he's he's just a, a guy who can make the first dude miss. He's not really a threat when he runs. So if you're if if your play style is described by your physical traits, we don't really have a guy who projects as a really good creator outside of structure. Keaton Slovis tries to get outside of structure in every single goddamn play. It drives me nuts. Uh, he wants to be a scramble quarterback. He wants to be a sit back there, hang around, pat the ball, make the first guy miss, get outside of the pocket, create on the run sort of a guy. And honestly, I don't blame him in the sense that the USC offensive line was worse last year than it usually is. Graham Harrell air raid offense, so five-man protection. So if you're getting blitzed, then— right. You know, someone's going to win. Right. Good luck. Right. And his wide receiver core is freaking nuts. Uh, you know, with, 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 uh, Amon Ross, Dave Brown, Drake London, Tyler Vaughn's and a cadre of four or five stars, Brew McCoy, like they, they had a ludicrous group. And so why wouldn't you want to go play backyard football with those guys? Mm -hmm. Play backyard football with Drake London sounds amazing. He's a skyscraper. <laughs> Just like, that's awesome. Like, right. A, right. Right. Yeah. He, he had a touchdown against Oregon where the first play was scripted for Drake London. He had London with like a third of the end zone open and the Oregon coverage was tight, but it's Drake London. So you just, Drake London, by the way, is, in, is not eligible as a true sophomore. He's a humongous receiver for USC. He looks awesome. Uh, and Young Slovis Mike is, Evans? Slovis, oh. <laughs> I've seen him barely, but okay. Um, Slovis should trigger, doesn't. Tries to make stuff happen, second, third, fourth read. It's not there. Has to get rid of the ball. Two plays later, uh, play is not for Drake London. Covered up nicely by Oregon. Slopes is buying time, and he sees Drake London just like running to the back pile, and he's like, I'm not making the same mistake twice. Just mm -hmm. eats it up to him, and he makes that play. Right. So you have that receiver core, so why wouldn't you just like kind of be super aggressive, trying to make plays outside of structure and let them make plays for you? But uh, he's not particularly accurate on, on the move thrower. He's not a particularly good tackle breaker. He's a strong body and contact balance or anything like that. And so it's not the sort of out-of-structure play that if you do it at a high enough level, it excuses poor in-structure play, at least from an NFL perspective. Like, oh, we can work on it. It's not at that level nearly. And then you look at the in-structure stuff, and not only is there, like, NFL open throws that he chooses not to make or he needs to throw breaking routes with anticipation and he tries to see it open before he throws it. He takes easy stuff and just doesn't just denies it. Just uh, he doesn't throw four verts, and they call it. And you get single high. All right, pick a side and throw it. Like right, right. No right. one, no one's gonna open later. It's four verts. No one's going anywhere. <laughs> well, I mean, right? they will, but you don't got the arm to get it there. Right, but even then, it's like all right. Like if you get single high four verts, the seam routes aren't opening. Mm -hmm. Even if they do open. They're not opening because in, in in on the chalkboard in the playbook we don't look to those can single eye. 
because we don't think we're going to get him. Right. So right. pick a side and throw it. Right. And Let he just won't. Yeah. So you'll get you'll get three level sale. You'll get Y cross, and it'll be all right. This is your first read. If he's unimpeded across the middle of the field, there's no zone player sit. Throw it. And he'll look at it. He'll pat it, and then he'll go try to like get to his second read on like a backside nine. Brother, you don't have that throw. You you gotta you you gotta know where your bread is buttered. And he I don't think he does. Uh, to me, he looks like he's trying to do a lot of stuff that he physically cannot do at a high enough level right. to stick in the league. Now, with USC's talent, gets away with it. Enough. But there's a reason they walked into that Oregon game and got their their mouth punched early. Um, and it's because he wasn't willing to take sh- – Oregon's playing top-down zone. Take a shallow cross, pick up six yards. This is air raid. That's how we got to do it. We're not going to run the ball, so we got to be able to take these shallow throws. We won't do it. Uh, and so – he forces himself outside of structure more than a poor offensive line forces him outside of structure. Mm-hmm. And maybe some of that is he's just feeling jumpy and, and he doesn't trust that line. Maybe a better line would have helped him develop. That's part of how things go. But that reality, plus the fact that he's not that good of a creator in and of itself, means it's really tough to hang my hat on something. Yeah. I think the best way of saying it is I just don't think he knows where his bread is buttered. So how am I supposed to fully buy in on it? Yeah, and it's it's tough to find an area in which his bread could be buttered here at the at the pro level. Uh, when you watch him in college, he just we talk about guys having juice all the time, right? I mean, for running backs, it could be uh, you know how 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 fast they are in long speed. For wide receivers, it could be what they are to their burst. For quarterbacks, when we say juice, we're often talk about how live is the arm. I mean, he he just doesn't have any juice. I think that when I watched Slovis, um, I was. I was about three-fourths of the way through my first game, and I watched four of his. Uh, I I was three-fourths of the way through the first one, and I wrote down in my notes, I was like, this is Pac-12 Kyle Trask. And the more that I went on to watch him... Yes, but even smaller. Well, the more that I went on to watch him, I amended the note, and I said, he's not even that. Um, I, I think that Keaton is this year's Brock Purdy where we went into last year, and we're going to talk about Brock because he is still at Iowa State and he is uh, he is draft eligible, so we'll talk about him and review his year last year. We'll do that a little bit later this week. We came into the year thinking that Brock Purdy, okay, he had a really great year. You know, He was poised at certain things. He knew where to go with the ball. But when the going got tough, when you needed to be a playmaker, when your arm needed to do something to save your team, he couldn't do it. He doesn't. Purdy does not have the arm. And, and Slovis doesn't either. And, you know, there are quarterbacks that you can point to throughout history and be like, oh, look at them. They don't have the best physical tools, and yet they made a career out of it and things like that. And I hear you. And that's why at the very end of my scouting notes, I put, unless Slovis becomes a true assassin between the ears. He won't, he can't, I, I don't see a starting quarterback in the NFL. I don't really see somebody who, like you said, there's a lot to hang your hat on. I don't know how much of an offense that you can create around him that you especially would not be looking to upgrade from even simply a year after you would install it. That's the way that I kind of view it here. And, um, you know, you, you look at some of his stats and it's hard to judge too much because the Pac-12 didn't exactly have a full season last year. And, and, but 
man, his yards per attempt, I mean, it's 7.3. I mean, like, that's just not even going to get it done. Like, even if you're a, a dink and dunk kind of a player, if you're averaging 7.3 yards per play as a quarterback in college, it, it, it doesn't get any easier in the NFL. I was going to ask you with Slovis, who would you rather have, Slovis or Jake Fromm? Who would you have rather had Fromm. coming out? From 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 where his bread was buttered. I agree completely. Jake mm-hmm. Fromm went in the fifth round, so that's just I mean like that's just context because I completely agree. I would much rather have Jake Fromm. The longer I watch Slovis's tape, he is not near what Kyle Trask even was. Trask obviously went back end of the second round, and the more I watched, I went, "Who's another guy that we've talked about like this lately?" Brock Purdy came to my mind for last year, and then I also thought about Fromm, and I looked it up, and yeah, reminded that Fromm went in the fifth round. I don't see a first round quarterback with Slovis. I don't see a day two quarterback with Slovis. And unless, like I said, he really becomes a mastermind of the position of anticipation of reading defenses. I just, he doesn't have the physical tools stars in recruiting. Like everybody likes to be like, stars don't matter. Two stars can make the NFL. And like, obviously I, I agree, but at the same time, these recruiting agencies, a lot of the stars that they give these kids come off of natural athletic ability and when you don't have a lot of scholarships offers and you don't have a very high billing as a recruit it's often because you're limited athletically the mold in which we can work with you is less than it is for other players that's often how the stars get uh, aligned and assigned to a lot of these guys Slovis didn't have a lot of them and it's pretty evident when you watch his tape and so an exciting freshman season from him that's really why I think he got a lot of hype but I'm out on him um, almost completely, uh, unless we see something that's 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 way different this year, and unless he just really improves how he sees the game and what he can do with it, and that's going to have to be the case throughout his entire NFL career too. Yeah, uh, I am very interested, and did I get the opportunity to watch what happened in this freshman year? Because I, I I'm surprised about how explosive that offense seemed uh, right. i don't know if it was the nature of the offensive line because they had a lot more experience there and kind of that changes things whatever um but yeah it, it's it's tough to get completely in on, on keaton slovis we've been done before so if you're a big slovis fan brother it's a lot of ball game left did you say oh, wait worth. hold on did you say that we've been done before or we've been dumb, dumb? we've been dumb before we've been idiots before so Let's just say that, that you and I don't really know how this is going to go for Slovis. It's of tough course. to see the path. If you're a big Slovis fan, a lot of ball game left, namely the entire season. Um, but it's it's tough for me to, to figure out how to get there. Look, I, I I I hope that I did a nice job at least being as fair as possible, saying like there is a way that I he could be good because other quarterbacks who have not been physically gifted have gone on to be good in the NFL. It just takes elite anticipation, recognition, and understanding of the game. That's the way that Slovis survives. Outside of Slovis doing a really healthy dose of steroids and all of a sudden coming out with a Brett Favre arm, you know, like, then what? Can't be done. Then, (laughs) did you say can or can't? Cannot be done. I don't know, man. You know, maybe he may get away with it. LaRon Landry was somehow in the NFL for a long time, so... Big up, LeBron. That guy, that guy, that guy had arms bigger than my chest. Okay, before we get to the last guy that we're talking about today, it's Spencer Rattler. 
There's the teaser for everybody to continue to listen to the podcast. I got to say that this episode is brought to you by the fine folks over at rockauto.com with the increasing numbers of all different kinds of makes and models that are on the road today. When you have a fix or an upgrade that you really need, why would you go into a local auto parts store when you know that you're just going to tell them what you need? They're going to type it in on a computer, and they're just going to order the part. You can do that on your own. You can do that by yourself. You can cut out the middleman, and you can do that over at rockauto.com. Go see their website. Left-hand side, you can find exactly what car you're driving and see all the parts that they have available for your car or truck. If you don't see exactly what you're looking for, you can hit them up. They've got fantastic customer service, and, of course, the best part is their prices are fantastic. Very competitive. They'll be able to work with you. Go to rockauto.com right now. And if you end up finding something you like or if you end up talking to them, write Locked On NFL Draft in their little How Did You Hear About Us box or just tell them that over the phone if you're talking to their customer service. That re- that referral would really, really help Ben and I out here on this podcast. They got an amazing selection, reliable low prices, and all of the car parts that you were ever going to need over at rockauto.com. We've got Spencer Rattler coming up for you after the break. All right, here we go. This is the man that is, at this point in time, supposed to save this quarterback class, be the crown jewel, the next potential number one overall pick, Spencer Rattler, quarterback from Oklahoma. He is a junior, stands six foot one, two 205 pounds. I'm not going to lie. I thought he was bigger than that. I don't know why. I went to look up his measurements, and I was like, oh, okay, all right. I mean, like, it's fine. It's not, not a big deal. It's just like, I thought he was like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, or something. Guess not. He was a four-star quarterback coming out of high school. Some places had him as a five-star he was the number one quarterback in the 2019 recruiting class started all four years of high school just like Sam Howell did broke the Arizona high school passing records uh, as a high school quarterback he's a one-year starter right now because he redshirted his first year when he was at Oklahoma Ben when you watched Spencer Rattler play did UAC a potential number one overall pick with him? Break, yeah, break it I down. did, brother. Let's break it down. go. Yes. Dude, that ball flies. I could watch Rattler throw for hours. Just independent. I don't need to know what the read was. I don't need to know what. The team could be down by 40. I would just watch him throw the ball. That thing sings. Oh. I think it's special. He's got zip. I think it, He's got zip. <laughs> I think it's it's like not just like the best arm of the class. I think it like would have been the best arm in the last couple classes. Josh Allen and the velocity is one thing, but in terms of how easy he makes throws look, how when when the arm angle is reduced or the throwing platform is off, and he's still able to just I mean the thing sings. And and the peak ball placement, especially at times in which the pocket is muddy, um, and he's he's off his platform, he's adjusting, and, and his feet are cattywampus. <sighs> he's got a special arm. Uh, nobody's gonna be able to resist him. But I know people like right now watch his film and say he doesn't. He's not a good enough decision maker. He doesn't have a, a clean enough process. And there's some fairness to that. I think he's got a much I think he's got a better process than people allow him for. I think he's a bad risk manager because he's too confident in himself. And he's he's his yeah. timing is still a little bit behind. He's still a little bit playing at high school time. Got to right. start playing at college, college yeah. time. Yeah. And yeah. once we get you a college time, then we got to start getting you an NFL time. And so I do think like, you know, 
I think it'll look faster this year. I think it'll look a lot better. I think he'll go number one overall. I think that he'll come into the NFL and I think he'll be a little bit behind. And I think we got to get him up to NFL time. And I think once we get him to NFL time, he'll be really, really strong. But even for all, like, let's say his process remains exactly the same and he stays a little bit behind, he's still going to be number one quarterback drafted. Nobody's going to be able to resist this arm. You can't do it. You can't. Yeah. I, I, I'm fully aware that Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes were not the number one overall picks. I don't understand how a league could watch what those two guys have done over the last couple of years and then not draft this guy's arm. Unless I understand he's short. So he's not that build. But mother of God when he throws the football. I mean, he can reach the same distance as those guys did functionally in game, right? Like maybe Mahomes and Allen can throw at 80 yards and Radic can only throw at 75. Okay. But in terms of things that actually matter on the football field, I mean, Rattler will come late to a big post. 60 air yards, one hitch. Right, yeah. Oh, right. my God, it's pretty. I, I love watching him play. I think that there's a clear path to him potentially being number one overall. I think there's a lot of things that he needs to work on, but he has the baseline for what you would have as a top 10 overall pick, right? And, I mean, we, what we've talked about with the last two guys, there are things holding you back. There are physical limitations holding you back. Spencer doesn't have that. And, and so anytime that's the case, you do have a chance to go very high, including to be the first one taken in an NFL draft class. Um, I don't think that he has the same arm as a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes, but I do think that of the guys that I've watched, it's it's the best in the class, especially for everything that's given around him. And, you know, you mentioned, I think to your to your defense a little bit, you mentioned that Josh Allen didn't go number one overall and Patrick Mahomes didn't go number one overall. Well, I think that Patrick Mahomes didn't go number one overall because the league wasn't there quite yet, right? I mean, the league was still being comfortable with these full air raid, just huck it, chuck it, passing his king kind of mentality quarterbacks. And so the league wasn't ready to draft Patrick Mahomes number one overall when he was coming out. And then with Josh Allen, I mean, there was just simply inconsistencies with him. There were big time accuracy issues and yet he still went number six like there were decision making and accuracy issues with him and yet he still went in the top 10 and so I think uh, barring a disastrous year from Spencer Rattler I think that he his floor is somewhere within the top 10 it's it's hard to imagine he's going to get out of this especially with what I believe with this quarterback class I think he's going to be the top guy there mm-hmm. the arm is clearly of NFL talent there's no doubt about it I think that it's hard to judge him a lot right now because at times, it feels like the offense he runs just isn't even real. Like, it, like it just feels like like what Lincoln Riley dials up for them, and honestly, just how the Big Twelve doesn't. It just feels like they don't pressure other teams. Rattler has just like five, six seconds to throw the ball, and he just okay. and he just sits there and just like lets it come to him and everything and. Uh, it's so it's I'm I'm not even I'm not even 100% like saying that that's that's a big negative it's just it's sometimes hard to judge him because you I 100% agree with what you said where Rattler's gonna go in the top 10 I don't know where he's gonna go but he's gonna go in the top 10 and we're going to need to be patient with him because he is not going to be the most pro ready top 10 quarterback pick that we've ever seen and you can't compare him to some of the guys that were a lot more pro ready at that point in time you got to be patient with him but I think that's just the nature of what he struggles with and where he's coming from. I see him leave. Well, actually, was there something that you wanted to say to that? I didn't mean to like totally cut you off before I go to a different point about Rattler. I would say this, right? Like, okay, so teams in the Big 12 don't pressure opposing quarterbacks. Yeah, it's a thing, right? Uh, Big 12 defenses are different. 
that three interception game against Iowa State that he played early in the season, Iowa State said, hey, we're going to sit and drop eight. Right. Be, right, a, be, right. A, be, a, be a responsible little boy. He said, I'm going to make big throws. And he got burned. <laughs> right. 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 And so that's that's a little bit of that. Um, you know, when you talk about like, all right, that offense is not real in Oklahoma. You're right. And Baker Mayfield went one and Kyler Murray went one. And we I, talked about you're right. Guys. You're right. You're right. And Spencer Rattler is. And I, I'll, I'll say this with my chest. He is a better thrower of the ball. Than Baker Mayfield is a better thrower of the ball than Kyler Murray. He's a better runner than Baker Mayfield. He's not a better runner than Kyler Murray, but he's better runner than Baker. They were nicely developed in that offense. And they they knew what they could do and what they couldn't do. And they knew how to how to get it done against the Iowa State and then against the TCU and against the different defenses that you get. Rattler didn't know it yet. If Rattler makes the expected sophomore step forward from I'm figuring this out as I go as a, as a, a first-year starter to I now know the way the game is played, he has more physical talent as a thrower. He has more arrows in his quiver than the last two Oklahoma quarterbacks to go number one overall. And so to me, if we just get the expected, anticipated, and very reasonable step forward from Rattler, QB1, not close. Certainly at this point, I think that I, I definitely agree. I, he's you, you mentioned a little bit, you touched on it before, there's some processing and decision-making concerns with him. I think that he leaves a clean pocket a lot more than he should. Uh, and even within the midst of Oklahoma's offense just being kind of not even real, I think that there's a lot of instances where he's developing he's developing non-NFL habits right now. Like thinking that he's got all day to throw and leaving leaving the pocket because he he wants to make a throw on the run just because, I don't know, it's cool or it's more difficult or he's, he's more comfortable with it, whatever. The When you get to the NFL, your processes have to, have to, have to be unless you're Patrick Mahomes, I guess. I am making things as easily as as easy as possible for me because the guys on the other side of the line of scrimmage, they're just too good. I don't think that Rattler has that respect for the defense right now. And you know what? Not a lot of college quarterbacks do. We we've seen over the last, you know, 5 10 years, probably a little bit more recently, that sometimes quarterbacks have come out in draft classes. I'm I'm looking at you Bryce Petty, and people have been like, "Oh, what do you think about this?" and he's like, "Oh, well, uh now that I'm in the NFL after one year, the biggest thing that I learned is I know how to read a defense." It's like, "Excuse me? You like you didn't know anything right. about reading defenses in college football?" And he's like, "No." And that's a lack of respect for the defense. And and when I watch Spencer Rattler, I I do not mean this as a arrogance thing. It's just like not really what's taught. He just doesn't respect really what the defense does because that offense is so good. His arm is so good. And I think you see that in his play style. I think you also see that a lot with his technique when it comes to his drops and when he's getting rid of the ball and the footwork that he has from time to time. And all of these things, like Ben mentioned, they are things that you can improve. If you get a great quarterbacks coach, if you have a good offensive coordinator, if you get a couple years under your belt in the NFL— if he is really able to take those teachings to heart, get that repetition and make it second nature to him, you've got a really, really great quarterback on your hands. You've got a quarterback that can win you games in the NFL whenever. And I think that that progress is absolutely needed for Rattler. And if he doesn't progress in that way, you're going to instead get a quarterback with a live arm who is making a lot more mistakes than you're comfortable with. Because what's the rule? The bigger the arm, 
the better of a decision maker you have to be because the more trouble that you can get in. And so that's, I think we are at a little bit of a tipping point here with Spencer Rattler, but it is important to remember. And the reason why we give background information, he is a one year starter. He has been in the spotlight because people have known his name throughout recruiting. Um, he was in the, I believe he was in the QB one show, right? Uh, that, that came out. I think that he was, I never remember who's in that show. I believe he was. Yeah, he was. Uh, I think it was the last season of that show. He, you know, so like everybody, everybody already knows Spencer Rattler, but he's only played for one year, you know, and, and he's only played 11 games. And so there, like you said, there is, there's plenty of reason to believe that he could get better, but those are the areas where I think that he definitely has to be. Yeah. I, um, I'm more willing to risk it all for him. Maybe that's some of, of the nature of the classes. Maybe that's just for me, like live arm doesn't even begin to encapsulate where he's at. But yeah, he he needs that improvement for you to feel solid about him. Even then, if you're drafting Josh Allen out of Wyoming, you feel more confident about that now, top 10, than you did when the Bills did it, because the Bills did it, they did it successfully. I think it's going to be tough for a guy with this much arm talent to not get the investment from both Lincoln Riley and Oklahoma and then his NFL team to end up successful. I think he's just simply too talented. All right, there we go. First three quarterbacks of summer scouting in the books. We got Sam Howell, we got Keaton Slovis, we've got Spencer Rattler. Uh, tomorrow, tomorrow we're doing, I believe on the schedule is Malik Willis. We've got Matt Corral. And then who's the other? You want to do Carson Strong tomorrow? Yeah, okay. I want to watch him. I want to see what he's about. Okay, all right. So we're going to get to those three guys tomorrow. The way that this works, if you're new to summer scouting, is we do about three guys every single day. We'll do uh, on a normal week. We'll do three guys on a Monday, three guys on a Tuesday. Kind of like a best of the rest on Wednesday. We can get to as many as probably 10 quarterbacks that we're going to watch and throw our, our thoughts out on. Thursday, we're going to get top five. So then Ben or... Ben and I are going to give you our top fives at the position. Uh, talk about a lot of those guys who made the list who didn't going into the season. And then, of course, Fan Friday is going to stick Fan Friday. We're not going to have a Fan Friday this week just because we're a little delayed. So we're just going to give you the four episodes of Summer Scouting so we can make sure that we get all those in. But that's what's coming on the schedule. Make sure you guys keep listening to the episodes. This is one of our favorite things that we get to do. Share all the stuff. Uh, give us reviews on iTunes, whatever it is. Thanks so much for being patient with us this week as we get things started a little bit slower than we wanted to, but we promise we'll make it up to you. It'll be worth it. Until next time, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.